0: This semester, we're really asking and answering this question, what do Christians believe? Um, what do I need to believe in order to be or to become a Christian? Right, is there a set of teachings or beliefs that all Christians, right, all, around the, uh, all around the globe, uh, all across the ages agree upon? Uh, and the answer is yes, right? and the answer is the Apostles' Creed. It was put down in writing sometime uh, in the 2nd century A.D., uh, and it summarizes the apostles' teachings, the apostles being those first eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, uh, and the earliest leaders of the church. And this, then, is what you could really call uh, Christianity 101, or mere Christianity, or the basics, or the fundamentals. And what we have been doing uh, all semester long is going through it sort of line by line, And looking at a passage from Scripture that really supports it or backs it up. Uh, The apostles weren't making this stuff up, and we shouldn't just believe it because it's in the Creed, right? We want to see it in the Scriptures. It's said, first of all, there, right? Like the authority of the Creed is rooted not in the Creed itself, but in the Scriptures. And hopefully what you're getting is just a greater understanding of what Christianity is and also... Maybe some more um, confidence in the book, the Bible, uh, that has everything that I have been saying to you and will say to you right all semester long. Right, It's all there. Well, this week what we're looking at is a passage uh, from the Gospel of Luke, Luke 1, 26 through 38. And it really is a passage that supports this belief uh, in the virgin birth. Uh, I believe that he, Jesus, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born Uh, Of the Virgin Mary. Before we read uh, this passage and talk about it some, let me just say at the outset uh, what this sermon is and is not. Um, Tonight, I hope you leave knowing what the scripture has to say and why it's relevant, but I'm not going to stand before you tonight and attempt to explain to you how scientifically this works. Uh, I don't know, I'm not a scientist. Uh, What I do know uh, is that the universe is far more ordered uh, and at the same time far more mysterious and beautiful and unpredictable than people previously thought. Uh, Quantum mechanics certainly and quantum science certainly bears that out. It's also true that I don't need to know how something works in order for it to work or to be of any value to me. Right, this iPhone is case in point. I, I don't have a clue how this thing works. Like I don't know how it is that I can push a couple of buttons on a screen and hit send and then speak into it, and all of a sudden this device is connected with somebody else's device on the other side of the globe. Like I don't know how, when I speak into it, the cadence of my voice, the volume of my voice, the sound of my voice, all of it gets translated into zeros and ones and then is shot into a satellite and shot back down to Earth as zeros and ones and it gets retranslated in this device as if I was talking to somebody face to face. Like, it makes no sense to me. None. But just because I don't know how this works doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It does. And just because I don't know how it works doesn't mean it's of no use to me. It's of real use to me, right? Without it, I would never make it to a one-on-one on time, right? I'd be dropping meetings left and right. Like, it's really important. It's really useful. The same, um, in some way, the, the same is true of the virgin birth. Okay, I don't expect you to unlock the mystery of the virgin birth any more than I expect you or I to unlock the mystery that is this iPhone, how it works. But what I can do tonight is to help you to see that the virgin birth is real, it's for real, and that it is of real use and relevance and value to you. And that really is the focus of the sermon. It's real and of real value. So let's uh, read Luke 1, uh, 26 through 38, and just dive on in, okay? If you mark Luke 1, 26 through 38. Okay, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Lord, as we just sang, uh, you are welcome here, Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. Uh, we pray that uh, you would illumine this text help us to see what it is you want us to see and hear what we must hear, uh, and give us hearts that are ready to understand and, and rightly apply this teaching to our hearts. Um, we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, Christians believe uh, in the virgin birth. Okay, they believe that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit uh, and born of the Virgin Mary. Christians believe that Jesus of Nazareth was, at the same time, fully God and fully man, fully human. And here's why Jesus' full divinity and full humanity matters. It matters because we have a problem that requires outside intervention. That's point number one. Secondly, it matters because we have a debt that only a human being can pay. And thirdly, we have in the person of Jesus an empathetic Savior. Okay? To put it another way, we need outside intervention, we need a human representative, and we need an empathetic Savior. Okay? First, we need outside intervention. Okay, oftentimes when people are enmeshed in a conflict or tangled up with some sort of addiction. What is needed is someone from the outside to step in and to help them sort of sort things out. The people too close to the problem are unable to fix it. Either they don't see the problem or they're overwhelmed by it. They need outside help. They need outside intervention. Well, that's a fairly accurate uh, description of all of us uh, in in this room tonight. We live in a broken world, don't we? We are all surrounded by conflict. And we ourselves are addicted to self-centered behavior. We can't stop being selfish. We're addicted to it. We need someone from the outside to enter in and to save us. Someone who isn't prejudiced or biased and who also has the internal and external resources to help us. Right? We need outside intervention. Uh, another image uh, comes to mind. Uh, have you all ever seen a video of somebody dropping ink or paint into like, a clear glass of water? It's strangely beautiful. You can YouTube it. Well, it starts off small, like a tiny little drop, but it quickly spreads out and fans out to the rest of the glass, contaminating, coloring, right, tainting the whole thing. Well, sin is like an ink drop into the world. Uh, It it enters small, right, but it quickly spreads and contaminates uh, the whole. Once contaminated, there is nothing the water can do to purify itself, and once sin enters into the world, right, once it gets into our blood, there's nothing that we can do uh, to, to purify ourselves or to, to clean ourselves. The fix has to come from the outside. End. It has to. Well, Megan and I like to go backpacking. And, and when we do, we fill up our water bottles with water that we might encounter in a lake or stream. And nine times out of ten, the water is polluted with some sort of Bacteria or virus or parasite like Giardia. Nearly always it is this way. And to make this water clean, we have two options. We can either boil it and kill everything in it. Or we can add outside intervention uh, in the form of an iodine pill. When the iodine comes into contact with the polluted water, the iodine isn't dirtied. It isn't solid. Right? On the contrary, it makes the dirty clean. The dirty does not make it dirty. It makes the dirty clean. And this is what God has really done for us in Jesus. The the solution to our sin is not to boil us and to kill us all. Instead, God enters in and he purifies uh, from within. He is divine iodine. I thought that was kind of... Catchy? He is divine iodine. right? He is Emmanuel, right? God with us and God for us. And the Bible says this in myriad ways. In John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 3, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son into the world, right? That he gave us his only begotten son. Colossians 2, for in Jesus, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Hebrews 1, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And yes, right, even tonight, Luke 1, the child's name is Jesus, a name that means Yahweh saves. He is great, the son of the most high God. He is Emmanuel, God's son, God with us divine iodine. Here's where this analogy breaks down or uh, you can only take it so far. Right? It is true that uh, we have this disease, as it were, this parasite, this virus called sin that is lodged deep within us. Uh, a, a, a disease that requires outside intervention. But sin is not just a disease that we need to be cured of. Right? We also have guilt that needs to be assuaged. We have a job that needs completing and a debt that needs to be paid off. Uh, we need a human representative to do this for us. Let's say that you are a, uh, a FedEx employee. And let's say that you've been given a job to do. Your job is to deliver a box uh, of maple syrup from Burlington to San Francisco, California. Well, regrettably, you drink and drive on the way there. You bang up a couple of vehicles and you strike a pedestrian in Nebraska and kill her. Now your selfishness results in two problems. Not only have you failed to do something, right? You've also crossed a line. Like, not only did you not deliver the package that you were supposed to deliver, not only is that maple syrup not going to get to California, but you have created a whole lot of damage and hurt along the way. Now, how is this wrong going to be righted? Right, who is going to deliver the goods? Who's going to pay the price for all of the banged-up cars and the loss of human life? Your pet turtle, if you have a pet turtle... Cannot do that. My dog is amazing, but even Coulter can't do that. right? Only a human being can finish the job that you failed to finish. And only a human being can and should pay the price for all of the banged up cars and the loss of human life. This sort of helps illustrate the, the situation that you and I are in. God gave us a job to do. Our job is to image him. We were made to show a watching world who God is and what he is like. We were made to love him and to love each other and to love this world that God made and entrusted to our care. Now, not only have we failed to do this, like not only have we not delivered, our self centered behavior causes all kinds of hurt along the way. We do what shouldn't be done, and what should be done, we don't do. Right? You're missing the mark, and you're crossing the line doesn't go unnoticed. Okay, in the, the wake of your life are a lot of broken people, places, and things. It's not just true of you. It is true of me as well. Okay, it's true of us. And God, being the good and just God that he is, is not going to turn a blind eye to it all. Right? He's not going to say, whatever. The job wasn't that important. Right? He's not going to say, whatever. Right? I was just kidding about... Loving people and loving me. He's not going to say that. He's not going to say whatever, right? The damage that you inflicted, not that big a deal, right? He's not going to say any of these things. The job is that important. And the debt is that huge, right? The problems are all too real. And somebody has to pay. Somebody has to finish what you started and did not complete. But this is something that only a human being can do. It's a human responsibility. It's a human debt that needs to be paid. And do you see where this leaves us? Only outside intervention can cure us of this disease called sin. Only outside intervention can do that. But only a human being can finish the job that we've been given to do and pay the price for all of our sin. We need someone who is fully divine and fully human, like us and unlike us at the same time. And this is exactly what we have in the person of Jesus. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the virgin mary now what is written here in luke 1 and what christians believe is that the second person of the trinity god's own son entered into the world that he created right the creator became a creature and specifically he became a first century jew right a boy who then became a teenager who then became an adult Jesus did not just have the appearance of being human, right? He was 100% God and 100% human uh, at the same time. He became a human embryo. He was fed at first from an umbilical cord and then from Mary's own breasts. Jesus, the Son of God and Son of Mary, when he had dirty diapers, had to have mom and dad change them. Hopefully, Joseph helped. Right. Jesus giggled when his parents tickled his feet. And he laughed out loud when he ran with his playmates through the city streets of Nazareth. Right? When he tripped and fell, he skinned his knees. And those knees drew red blood. His voice cracked when he went through puberty. His thumb throbbed when he whacked it with a hammer in his dad's carpenter shop. He ate at every table in the high school cafeteria. Jesus was like us in every single way, with one exception. He never sinned. Uh, We sin and sin all the time, but he didn't. Not once. You see, from start to finish, from the womb to the tomb, Jesus loved God with all of his heart and all of his mind and all of his strength. And he loved his neighbor as himself. And he was perfect. He delivered the goods as it were. He completed the task that God gave each and every single one of us to do. He did it. But not only did Jesus finish the job that Jesus gave us to do, he also paid the price for yours and my sins. If I'm a billion dollars in debt and you're a billion dollars in debt, you are of no use to me. You cannot help me get out of debt. But if Jesus has no debt, uh, in fact, if he has billions and billions in his, uh, uh, his bank account, well, then he is of great use and value to me. Jesus never sinned, which is to say he never racked up or accrued a debt. Every good deed you can think of was a deposit in his and our bank account, right? He saved up so he could save us. He can pay down our debts because he never accrued debts of his own. And because he's a human and not a pet turtle, his payment is good, right? It counts, This is the reason why, you all, when Jesus dies on the cross, what does he cry out? It's not just, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he experiences hell on the cross in our place, he also cries out, it is finished. Mission accomplished, right? Debt paid in full. It's done. It's finished. And this is the reason why there is now no more condemnation for all of those who are in Christ Jesus, who have put their faith and trust in him. No more condemnation. Your debt has been wiped away forever. You're clean. You're okay. For our salvation, we need an outsider somebody without sin, somebody stronger than our foes, but we also need an insider, a human representative, somebody who can finish the job that we were given to do and who can pay a debt that only we human beings can pay. We need someone fully God and fully human, and that is who we have in the person of Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. As I showed you last week, this is something that was promised to us as early as Genesis 3, right? That someday a Savior would come, a child of Eve, who is also none other than God himself, who would crush the head of the snake and get wounded in the process. It's the Savior, right, in Mary's womb, the Son of the Most High God, Jesus, the child whose very name means Yahweh, right? God saves. It's in His name, it's in His very name. His identity. Jesus works for you, right? Is of, of real benefit to you because he is this, right? Fully God and fully human. But there's one more benefit I think that really deserves mention, okay? Because Jesus is fully God and fully human, what we have in him is truly an empathetic Savior. Okay, Brene, Brene Brown. Uh, describes the difference between sympathy and empathy as someone shouting down into a pit, wow, that really sucks for you, versus someone who enters into the pit with us and says, hey, this really sucks. Right? The difference between sympathy and empathy, right? shouting down into a pit versus entering in. God does not shout down to us from heaven, wow, that really sucks for you. God leaves heaven for earth. He enters into the pit. He moves into the neighborhood. He is willing to suffer with us, to share in our pain. And what's more, he's willing to suffer for us, to take all the horror and hurt uh, that the world can throw at him. On the cross, God experiences hell so you and I don't have to. No other religion has a God like this. Not one. Only Christianity has put its it has at the very center of its of, of its spirituality a God like this. And I know that deep down inside each and every one of you is a, a belief that if God is to be worshipped, He must be. If he is worth my time and my devotion, he must be a God who is not immune from our suffering, but who is willing to meet it and to enter into it and to take us out of it if he is to be worshipped. In John 11, one of Jesus' closest friends, a man named Lazarus, dies. And when Jesus learns of his friend's death, he, he stays where he is for two days. But on the third day, he goes to his friend's tomb. He is first of all greeted by Lazarus' sister Martha. And she's distraught and she cries out to Jesus, This is your fault, Jesus. This is your fault. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says to her, Martha... Your brother will rise again. She says, sure, I know that on the last day he will. And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, in this sit- particular situation, for this particular person, Martha doesn't need Jesus' tears so much as his strength, his promises, right, hope that only he can deliver. Right? She needs an outsider. She needs an outside intervention in this particular case. But after talking to Martha, Martha's sister Mary comes out to meet, uh, comes out to meet Jesus and wiping tears from her eyes She says the exact same thing that Martha said just before. Lord, it's your fault that my brother's dead. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But this time, Jesus does not speak words of hope or promise. This time, Jesus just weeps. He just sits with her and cries. See, Mary does not need words of hope and deliverance at this time. She needs a human shoulder to cry on. She needs Jesus' tears. Mary and Martha, right, need what we all need, which is an empathetic Savior. If, in the face of evil and suffering, all God did was promise deliverance, I am the resurrection and the life. We might have courage, but we would not have much comfort. If, on the other hand, all God did was weep with us, we might be comforted, but we might not have a whole lot of courage that he could really help us out. But Jesus is fully God and fully human, which means we have an empathetic Savior, a God who weeps with us outside of the tomb, But who's also going to storm it, who's going to enter into it so that we can walk out of ours? This is the God in whom we Christians put our faith and trust in. An outsider who becomes an insider, who descends into the pit in order that he can lift us out of it. He is great. He is near to you right now and he is worthy of your worship. Let's pray.